1: You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favourite shows to getting your favourite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com Prime to get more out of whatever you're into.
2: Hey everyone, Ryan here. Hope you're all good and enjoying the World Cup. Now as you know, Stadio is on hiatus for the summer. And one of the main reasons is because Flo and the Counterpress crew have got you covered for the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. So as the group stages are coming to a close, and just in case some of you aren't subscribed to Counterpressed, we thought we'd post today's episode on our feed as well so you can check it out. There's a link to subscribe in the show notes and it's available on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So go listen to Flo and the Gang and Moose and I will be back with you very soon. Much love and we'll see you then.
3: Welcome to Counterpressed on the Ringer and Spotify. It's day 13. Unlucky for some, but not England. I'm joined by Jessie Parker Humphreys and Becky Taylor-Gill.
0: Guys, what a day. I feel like a new woman. Wow. We wow. back, baby. I could take. I could take on the world right now. If anyone wants to fight me, I could do it.
3: I might just go and have a fight with a child outside in the courtyard outside my block of flats because I am so ready. back myself backing um, yourself to beat a child. <laughs> I mean, anyone, anyone who's up for it in the courtyard right now in Northwest London, because I, I genuinely, Serena Vingman has cured my mental health because I was kind of down in the dumps this World Cup so far because England had been a little bit stodgy and it's been a tough nine months. But damn, there is nothing like a romping, swashbuckling 6-1 victory to absolutely turn the psychology around. I'm not going to go as far as to say England are going to win the World Cup, but...
0: (laughs) I am. I'm so (laughs) fucking hyped right now. It's coming home. (laughs) Wow. Jesse, are you on
2: a level? I feel pretty hyped. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go so far to say... Say it. Jesse. say it. England will win the World (laughs) Cup. Say it. But I mean, my...
0: Say those three words every girl (laughs) wants to hear.
2: (laughs) England will win the World Cup is more than three words. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean. (laughs) No, I mean, I had USA England as my final bracket. And one of those teams looks more likely to get there than the other right now, so...
3: It was a it was a complete um, a complete iconic day for head loss on two ends of the spectrum. You've got the classic overexcited lose control England head loss, and then you had the USA spiral early in the morning our time over breakfast, which the two worlds colliding over Twitter was just real, real football it's Twitter so good to be on heritage the fun side of it. <laughs> well, it was it was funny as well because we'd all been sort of. Uh, complaining a little bit about how all the big teams weren't playing very well and this has not certainly not cured England's chances in this competition but at the same time um, it's nice to be out of the woods a little bit I would say um, but yeah we've got A ton of stuff to chat about on today's show. Obviously, we're going to talk about England's massive victory over China in their final group game. We're going to have to talk about USA's draw against Portugal. Sorry, USA fans. And then we will obviously wrap up what happened in those other games in Group D and E. So let's get into it after this.
1: This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favourite shows to getting your favourite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com Prime to get more out of whatever you're into.
3: England absolutely threw the shackles off today with a 6-1 win over China it got everyone going on Twitter and in the stands. Jesse, we came into this game a little bit confused and trying to guess what Serena might do with her starting lineup. The team comes out. Everyone that could have potentially played was on the pitch and then we couldn't work out what the formation was going to be. It was like everyone was going to get a go at playing something. In the end... We see a 3-5-2 with a, this back three for the first time this tournament. Jess Carter back, Lauren Hemp back, Daly staying there, Tune out, Kelly out, Zellum in. It was just experimental, freestyling, free jazz, and it was fucking incredible.
2: I could imagine Serena Wiegman in a jazz band, like playing the oboe or something. <laughs> Like she do a r- <laughs> weird instrument. um, Yeah, uh, the three five two was, I wrote up a number of potential formations from the 11 and none of them were that. I don't know why, I just did not see the back three happening at all, but it was incredible. It, it was very, very impressive. I think it was much more impressive from an attacking sense than a defensive sense, but it, it didn't really have to matter here. Um, It just felt like it, liberated a lot of a lot of the players and i don't know whether that is just because players were being asked to do different things and maybe if you feel like you've had a go at doing the things you were originally asked to do and they've not gone very well it's a bit depressing to try and do them better each time whereas if you're being asked to do something different to try something new maybe that that does just sort of free you up um free you up to go and and play with a bit more confidence with a bit more belief and wow yeah i mean i definitely think at the end of the game looking back lots of my focus is like lauren james that was like one of the most incredible individual performances you will ever see at a world cup but thinking it for the first half hour of the game it just felt like watching players like Rousseau, like hemp um like you were looking at totally different players compared to what we've seen so far this world cup and that's Testament to, to Wiegmann. Becky, I know this is the first England game you watched solo as well at home.
3: So maybe you now need to watch every game alone to conjure the same
0: uh. energy. <laughs> sorry. No, I'm but... not allowed to hang out with anyone. <laughs> you're not allowed friends I mean, because you're jinxing it. I mean, from from now, I will be watching them in Australia. So I'm sorry. No, you won't be sitting next that. to me,
2: Becky. I'm going to move you. <laughs>
3: No, you you have to stand outside the stadium okay. and just listen to the cheers and be like, "Oh, a goal!" You Great. know that I
0: you know that I don't love sitting next to you that much anyway, Jesse, because you get too stressed and you're too dad, and it's only when we're like really winning that you can have fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's normal. So I need someone who. <laughs> it's called being a football fan. But like, fan. if we're not if we're not losing, then you don't need to be. So stressed. The only time that I think I was that stressed was the Spain game. But then maybe that's because it was the only time they gave me reason to be stressed. But I've watched enough football with you where I'm like, fucking hell, can they just start smashing it already? Because I want my mate back, not my dad. Yeah, Emma Hayes' commentary was iconic and there was no better
3: day to have this comms than a day when Lauren James is playing Sensational, Millie Bright, Jess Carter, they're all getting involved as well. And she was just basking in the masterclass of Serena Vigman because, uh, yeah, the tweet I did was... Uh, Emma Hayes basically saying, "Serena, you son of a bitch, you've done it again." <laughs> and I, I think what was so special about what Serena did and why it's so hilarious and incredible is this is a woman who hates making changes and gets really pissed off if people encourage her to make changes. And she said, "Do you know what? Fuck you guys! I'm going to make loads of changes, and you won't even be able to work out what's going on today." And it was so good and. Becky, our genius, last episode with Carla and Jesse, we were saying maybe this Walsh injury will actually free Serena and the shackles will come off because she'll have to make loads of changes and maybe we'll see the best England. And we're kind of geniuses because we bloody did. Get me <laughs> on that team.
0: Maybe I can you, do it.
3: Maybe you should have been the England vibes coach the I whole time.
0: for England. Yeah, maybe I should have. I think I could do it. Um, I thought it was really funny. I'd sent a text message to you guys being like, from the lineup, like, what is this gonna look like? <laughs> um, what is she doing? I don't get it. And I love it. And she's just, you know, I mean, she, has, she had to do it. I don't even think that it was like a fuck you, I'm gonna do like, I'm gonna make a load of changes. She like, had no other choice, but it made it really fun. I hope she had fun. Do you think this is like the <laughs> I think she ultimate
2: did. catfish from her that she spent, you know, this is her fourth international tournament. She's been laying the groundwork, three international tournaments where she's <laughs> barely changed anything. So she could get two games into this one. And bam, be like, this isn't what you... Because now, you know, if you're Nigeria, you're like... Could be something totally different. What's going to happen? She could go to go it's, all the exactly. way back to the 1920s, play a classic WM. Who knows?
0: <laughs> That's the thing. It's it's great.
3: Like anything can happen, and it's slightly terrifying. But actually, I absolutely love it because it feels like Serena has kind of had this in her back pocket the whole time, and she never maybe wanted to go nuclear. And England were becoming so predictable, and I think that was impacting the way players were playing too. And even with Russo getting that goal. You can just see the pressure that instantly lifted off her shoulders with that. And we were hoping this would come. A Russo goal might kind of set her free a little bit. But I think it was the same with Hemp. The fact that Hemp could drift inside and no longer have to just be like running the width of the pitch and trying to get to the byline and put a cross in. Her being able to have that freedom to put pressure on Chinese defenders it just created the, all these new options for England, which they didn't have before. And although the way that they were playing on stream was successful a lot of the time, it was becoming really one dimensional and Walsh was becoming the target. And this you know, isn't gonna work every time, but just by switching it up, you create so many other options and England were really having fun exploring those options. They're kind of in their queer era. <laughs> Is this England? <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't think this is the first time the england women's team has been queer
3: <laughs> tactically they're tactically and meta- metaphorically they're
0: tactically exploring. queer <laughs> tactically queering correct. a back three by serena viegman <laughs> i'd read the book <laughs>
3: Oh, anyway, dude. um, that's where I'm going with that one, but I don't know if you want to pick up on
2: that, Jesse, <laughs> while I uh,
0: just <laughs> some important points on me. A,
2: take a breath. Uh, yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, no, I think you're right in terms of like it it set players it set players free. And it, it gave players the opportunity to do different things. I think what it showed is actually something I think maybe we've all sort of intuited about Russo in particular that she's not this out and out striker or like playing her like that doesn't get the best out of her. And I think that's why there's been so many calls to say play daily or or England up front who maybe feel a bit more normal in that position, a bit more expected. But I think this system showed how you can use the other abilities that she has to get even more out of her. And I thought the decision to pair her with hemp was really interesting. We've obviously seen hemp be used as a false nine by Serena vegan before, maybe I guess most notably in that game against the USA at Wembley. And I thought they complemented each other really well because neither of them feel like killers in the box. Um, and it's probably, I think, something that both of them could get better at. But in both of their goals, we saw just pure, raw talent. The first touches that both of them took um, were immense. And and the finishes were really nice. And it felt like, you know, when you saw Russo sort of peeling out to the left to start the move effectively that she then got on the end of, um, and you saw Hemp do, doing similar, it, it was like, yeah, this, this is exactly how you you should be using those players. And it, it felt like almost you had to look and play this too and create the space for them to be able to do that because in the earlier games you've had you know they've almost been penned in by each other Um, and then the space also opened up for Lauren James to really just do whatever she wanted. And I think that's also something that we've called for as well. You know, that we saw her come in and, and play on the wing in, in the last game. And obviously she scored then. But today when you've got her kind of dropping to be this false fullback and then still like bombing on to like take shots from the edge of the area, it, it just felt like it got the best out of, out of all of all of England's attacking players. As I say, I think maybe some of the defence and midfield thing, I do feel like the solution to Kira Walsh Not being available in midfield was to just say, don't play through a midfield. And I don't know how sustainable that is against a team that's better than China. But England needed a confidence-boosting win and that was very much it.
3: Yeah, let's talk about the option that Wigman went for with Stanway and Zellum being part of this midfield five and Bright kind of closing the gap a little bit where she could that just opened up as England had kind of like seven players bombing forward and just absolutely overwhelming China. It left some pretty terrifying gaps and obviously that's gonna happen when an England are bombing forward like that. But it, you're right, Jesse, it is going to be interesting moving forward whether Zellum keeps that spot and how Beegman uh, adapts the formation going forward, whether she goes back to this 4-2-3-1 that she loves or a 4-3-3. And is Zellum going to be the one to do that? Laura Coombs wasn't as effective when she had to come on and replace Stanway, who was on a yellow card. But you can kind of understand as well, bringing Zellum in the fact that she's really good from those set pieces. Against Nigeria, do you think England are going to have to shift it a little bit to get a little bit more cover in those areas rather than taking as much as a of a risk with Zellum and Stanway both there?
2: I don't necessarily think so against a team like Nigeria because I feel like Nigeria's main threat is going to be in sort of transition and on the counter. And actually this back three sort of solves for England's issues there because obviously they set up to put... Um, Jess Carter, as the the right sided centre back in this back three with with Millie Bright and Alex Green, would effectively offer and cover for L- Lucy Bronze, who was playing more in a right wing back role. So Lucy Bronze could just go and do what she wanted, and Jess Carter was was kind of there. And obviously, this is something that. Serena Vigman has been thinking about because I think that's why we saw Jess Carter at centre-back against Haiti because she's probably the paciest of, of all the centre-backs that we've got. So to, to that extent, I think against Nigeria, you probably don't have to worry about it so much. I think it'd be more um, against a team who was going to really look to, to build up through the middle. And it is interesting to kind of think about the teams that England could play, which are very different from the teams that I think people thought England would play. That I think if you you'd ask people before the tournament, if England reached quarterfinals, people would say, well, they've probably knocked out Australia or Canada and potentially are then playing Germany or, or maybe a France. And now you're looking at it and saying, well, it's obviously Nigeria in the next round and then potentially Colombia. Again, a, a team who've who've really shown that they excel in transition, um, and I think that's actually quite an interesting thing to like consider in terms of how Serena Viegman's chosen to try and solve um, the the Kira Walsh absence, and and how maybe that's been influenced by looking ahead a bit more and looking ahead at the teams that England might have to play. Also,
3: uh, another another thing we have to mention is just the magic of Lauren James because uh, she finishes mention. the game.
0: This deserves a whole segment. Sorry, a
3: whole twenty minutes on Lauren James because she should have she should have had a hat trick. She's got the moral hat trick. She
0: did. In my mind, she had a hat trick.
3: Two goals, three assists, three goals, <laughs> and three goals, three assists. Um, and she was the difference maker in both of England's earlier group games and was the difference maker again today. She is just on another level. And I think what is so nice, if that's such a boring word to use, but what's so reassuring is that we were flipping between this narrative with Lauren Jane heading into this tournament, which was we know that she can be a star, but because of what happened towards the end of the season, is she going to deliver that in the World Cup? And we were all like, we hope, we hope, we hope this is her moment. This is her moment. And I think what's brilliant, and obviously Emma Hayes on comms was perfect for this, but to for her to be able to completely not just deliver, but like take it up to even another level that we've seen in the WSL yet is completely ridiculous and it's so great to see someone just take the opportunity with both hands and blow people's minds with the kind of football she's playing right now
0: when you were talking about lauren james then i couldn't tell whether jesse's video had frozen on them just like beaming with a smile or that was just how their face was the entire time that you were talking about her
2: (laughs) i think i did freeze but also accurate um yeah i think (laughs) what was but if you'd asked me before this tournament what my issue with Lauren James was, it would be that she wasn't necessarily a goal threat, that I knew she could score goals like the ones we've seen her score for England, and I knew she could create in the way we've seen her create for England, but it didn't feel like something that happened regularly. And maybe there's still an extent to the fact that I did also think that Having the opportunity to play against um opposition who hadn't played against her before was going to be a really big benefit. And I think maybe that has come true a little bit, but also it's just been an incredible couple of games for her. I think everyone was surprised to not see her in that first game against Haiti. When she came on, she totally changed it and she's honestly not really looked back since then and Yeah, I think I saw a stat that like no England player, men's or women's has ever had five goal contributions in a World Cup. It should have been six, obviously. Um, It just felt like she was doing it all, you know, and the finishes were exceptional. The assists were, they were simple in in a way that you, you exactly wanted them to be, you know, like I don't think you'd have even noticed like, her first two assists, but in the best way. That was that was just like the, the passes were so well-weighted just to allow Rousseau and Hemp in those first two instances to go and do what they needed to do. Um, but it is almost like watching a different player because I think everyone knows how talented she is. But we're so used to seeing her as the player who's who's just going to sort of run with the ball and, and try and get past players. And there were a couple of moments where she was trying to do that today and it wasn't quite coming off. But actually, I think... Maybe why she excelled so much was it felt like she kept everything really simple. It was hit the ball when it came to her and she was in a good area. It was just play the pass forward when when the ball came to her and she had space to allow other people to run on from it. There wasn't really a need to overthink it. And yeah, it's amazing to see her shining on this stage because she's put so much work in over the past couple of years to to be here and to be fit and, and to be raring to go. And yeah, what a way to take your opportunity.
3: Yeah, and, and she's just doing it in such a like fun, chilled, relaxed way as well, which I think makes it it seems so effortless for her, which is also exciting because you're like, wow, what is her peak? You just genuinely don't know how high or, or or how good she could be, and and that's also even more exciting uh, from an England perspective. Moving forward, though, it it feels like with Serena Vingman's genius, she's created perhaps a bit of a selection headache for herself going forward because Daly now feels like she might be stuck at left back or left wing back and this Hemp-Russo combination could be a really good way to go moving forward. Kelly comes on and gets a goal and plays pretty brightly um, and yeah, we, we we see what happens with that Zellum-Stanway combination but it is going to be quite difficult now for Serena women to pick her best 11 because before it was kind of quite obvious most of the time who naturally slotted into those positions. And the more rotations and changes you make, now you think, well, wow, there's actually a lot of players that could fulfil these new roles that she's kind of created for her team in many ways.
2: I think in some ways it makes it easier though because I think it's hard if you're a manager and the players you're picking aren't playing well. I think off the basis of this, you say... Well, everyone looked great in this system, so they kind of earned their, their place for the next round. Like, I guess the question would be is more maybe if they haven't sent Kira Walsh home, if they do seem to think there's a chance she can come back and play, what happens then? Because I think if Kira Walsh isn't available, you kind of say, okay, this is Ellen Stanway double pivot needs to happen as sort of the safety first approach. We don't trust anyone to, to sit in the lone pivot. And I think that makes sense. I think I agree. Uh, you have the the back three then as, as an extra bit of stability there. If Walsh comes back, do you say, okay, well, no, we'll, we'll use Walsh there. Like there's no reason you couldn't, right? She is just a Katie Zellum upgrade to a certain extent. Um, but then it's more like, well, do you want to go back to what before was was supposedly your best eleven? Uh, I think overall, you'd have to say this probably feels like it suits lots of players a lot more than the other system does. Uh, I guess it is also maybe harsh to say that Stanway and Zellum couldn't deal with a team who was going to play more centrally because we didn't really get to see them tested on that tonight. Uh, Obviously, what's kind of scary is that you're like, well, the test, if it comes, will come at a very important stage in the World Cup. Uh, but I think you have less of a headache when when players are playing well, because before it was like, well, why are you starting Russo? Because Russo can't score. Well, like she scored today and I thought she played really well. Um, same for Lauren Hemp. And then you've got players like Chloe Kelly yeah, coming off the bench. They look great. But that, that's what again what you want. You want players to come on for half an hour and look amazing. Uh, but it will be interesting to see if, if she if she rolls with it. But if I was her, I don't I don't see why you change it at this point.
3: Also, Jesse, in terms of like the patterns of play,
2: England played in what felt
3: like a little bit of a Chelsea way today, which is relying on Millie Bright and how effective that she can be on the ball as well as defensively. And then the vision of Carter and obviously James. And I don't feel like Wigman has tapped into some of that Chelsea-ness before Um, I felt like uh, those players that she's used before, it's been quite rigid in the way that they play. But actually, I think we got to see them today express themselves maybe a bit more what they do at club level. And given how many Arsenal players are out, Obviously, we have Hemp and uh, Kelly from City, but actually feels like, well, why not when it comes to understanding each other in partnerships, that Toon-Russo partnership, which is, you know, a lot of the chemistry that that Vigman had been relying on. Like actually today, we really saw the best of those Chelsea players when they work together and when you kind of use them to what they're really good at week in, week out. What you're saying is a Chelsea supremacy within the England team. Yes. So,
2: yeah, and true. I don't want to blow smoke. So i never true. want to blow
3: smoke up any Chelsea fans' arse. Trust me. But it was, it did feel like that with Bright stepping forward and trying to play these long balls up top, which it wasn't in a stodgy way, it was in a very smart tactical way.
2: Well, I will say, I did think though, because I kind of thought early on that, oh, we're going to have Millie Bright playing lots of these long balls. Which I think is a, you know, is a Chelsea thing, but it's something England have looked to do a lot. Um, but I was like, oh, they're doing this because they don't have really any other patterns of play because they've had to just totally rejig the system. But I thought what was interesting was as the game went on, the fact that you did have Lauren James dropping into this fullback role, which basically allowed them to then use the patterns that you have from the the four two three one, even within the back three, because you've got her as this as this false fullback. Um, with then say Rachel Daly, Rachel Daly pushing up and and holding that sort of winger space, and Lauren Hemp being the one who maybe dropped back and looked more like a ten. So I thought that was a really clever way of of taking what England obviously have drilled over not just the lead up to this World Cup, but also the Euros, and and be able to still incorporate that with, within the role. And and again another, you know, feather to Lauren James's bow in terms of, like, the trust to be like, okay, you go and play that role. Like, you go and do what we, we expect our fullbacks to do. Um, I think, yeah, naturally, maybe this is... I do think sometimes Viegman's system can be too rigid for players in terms of the fact that... I think that's why it's good for tournament football because I think you can very clearly and quickly tell players what they have to do in the system and that does create good chances. But then there's the question of if, for example, it's not going quite right, if it's not working out, are you then limiting very talented players to go and do something different? I kind of felt like this system allowed you to do the best of both worlds. Again, you you have to caveat this with, it was obviously a nightmare for China and sort of the whole second half was just a bit of a strange one because China were 3-0 down. They obviously got the penalty to make it 3-1, but then pretty quickly England scored the fourth. So there's obviously going to be a lot of question marks about what this looks like against better opposition, but... Yeah, I thought it was really interesting the way Wiegmann melded the ideas that obviously have been drilled for a long time into this new formation to, to mean that it wasn't as big a departure as maybe it looked on paper.
3: Yeah, and I know Sue was asking us, she sent a question in about yellow cards because it's all been very confusing. They changed the yellow cards rule last year for the Qatar World Cup because they were trying to stop players missing the final of the World Cup if they picked up cards later on. So the yellow cards now reset after the quarterfinal, which means that Georgia Stanway has to get through one more game in order to be able to not miss the quarterfinal and therefore she'll be reset after that. So tense times. Um, so it does kind of mean that players have to get through five games to, to not pick up two yellow cards, but it's all to try and make sure that they don't miss a World Cup final if they get there. So fingers crossed for that. Let's talk about the other big game that happened today between USA and Portugal next.
1: This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply.
3: This one was epic as well, but not great for USA fans. USA nil, Portugal nil, and USA just clinging on for dear life in this as the post kept them from going out of the World Cup. It would be the first ever time they would have gone out at a group stage. They've never finished less than third at a World Cup. A really, really tense and stressful night for USA fans. This game wasn't like the other group games. It wasn't starting at 9 p.m. Eastern or 8 p.m. Eastern. This was starting in the depth of the night for USA fans. They had got up to watch their team. Uh, Jill Biden, the... uh, President's wife. What do they call the president's wife? First lady. First lady. Um, first lady. That's it. She even had an automated tweet about the performance. <laughs> she saying, was not away. What? No <laughs> Saying, way. wow, that was great. So glad I woke up for that. Okay, sure. Um, but yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a classic. And uh, Portugal were really good and should have gone through on the basis of that game but just couldn't stick away the only two chances that came their way. But yeah, a real kind of disaster moment
0: for the US. They're just bad. I fell to my knees in my bedroom when Portugal hit the post. That could have just did been... You a- did you actually? Why were we you standing up? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I was thinking you were like, no. Nah. Becky only watches football standing up. Yeah, I'm I'm tapping into my dad vibe. Um, That could have been the most iconic World Cup moment that's ever happened. I would have been deceased. You know, it's only the second group game ever in any World Cup that they've not managed to score in. Crazy. And the first time ever that they haven't won two games in the group stage? The almighty USA had lost on the timeline is so crazy. I don't know. I think, I think I have a feeling that they're being quite dramatic. Like not that I wouldn't be if I was them. Like if England had put in performances like that, I would be tweeting through it so bad. But I think that it's maybe not as bad as they are. They are making it out to be. No,
2: I think it's bad.
0: Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, Becky, I think it really
3: is that bad. This is a team that are trying to win it for three times in a row. No one's ever done that. They've won it four times. They are still, you know, held as one of the, you know, best teams in the world, and they have been really, really bad. And today was kind of the epitome of that. So, I do respect and understand the head loss. And I think if I was a USA fan, I would probably be going through it like those guys. I don't know if I would have gone full Graham Soonest like Carly Lloyd did on Fox Sports, <laughs> but I would have been really quite concerned for. The level of performance, what Vlak Vlad was doing, um, and yeah, I I I struggled to see how they picked themselves up from this. Even though actually, at the final whistle, when you look at the Fox Sports images, they were all quite relaxed. Actually, they weren't walking around like it was a it was a, a huge great defeat. But think about like I saw Meg Linehan, rights writes the Athletic, been covering US women's national team for a while she said it was the worst performance she's ever seen with her own eyeballs um they still made it through though she said it it was it was a nil nil loss in her in her in her mind and i think i think that's the reality is that yes with the raw numbers they made it through but i don't think anyone is feeling good about this team
0: i agree that they were bad but it's kind of like what we were saying the other day like they it might not be a great performance and maybe it's different because England never looked that bad but the result is what matters and they've got it and I still just have I never want to write them off because like you said they looked calm they know that that like they can pull it out of nowhere so I still I'm like okay it was a terrible terrible group stage they made it through like what Can they find, they have incredible players. I just can't, I just never gonna write them off from that. And I think that some of the reaction was maybe Bit ott. That's just, well, I never just, thought. Just my
3: opinion. I never thought Becky would be the one coming in saying, "Guys, don't worry. I still trust the USM, USWNT. Wow! Look, crazy. I hope I'm
0: wrong.
2: <laughs> I've got two hats on this one. I think there's one hat which which I'm. It's Becky. It's a Becky Taylor Gill hat, and it says, "Until <laughs> they are out of this competition, I will still believe the US could win the World Cup because they're the US." I think if I put an analytical hat on and you know that you do they do that thing where they like make football matches like they strip them of like gender and their kits and blah blah not so they're naked but just like so you can't tell what team they play for <laughs> you mean the bald var <laughs> robots but, yeah I do you know, know they've that. done it to like measure <laughs> unconscious bias and it's like it, yeah you know yeah, basically yeah. if you show men a women's football match but you can't tell the women they really enjoy it that kind of thing if i'd watched this usa portugal game i would not have the usa anywhere near you know favorites for the world cup And that's where I'm like, I don't even think the US have necessarily played a great team yet. Like I know the Netherlands had a fantastic win today and they basically knew they had to, you know, beat the US's score and they went and did it very comprehensively. Um, But I don't think they were amazing defensively. We know Portugal are very well organized, but really offensively, they didn't actually offer that much and my worry for the u.s would be just like in terms of going forward there's no plan in terms of trying to defend from the front there's no plan the midfield (laughs) is just full of holes and there's literally like seemingly no (laughs) attempt to try and fix these things that have been apparent through the group stage and before and at the Olympics to a certain extent and it's been going on for years at this point and I think that's why I would worry is because at some point they're going to come up against a team who are better than the Netherlands or Portugal.
0: I think it's interesting what you've just said Jesse I saw a tweet from Tim Stillman which said he had said previously in the competition that he thinks the teams that can go far or win this competition are teams that can solve those issues on the fly and they think you saw that really well with England today coming into this game you thought oh my god there is just like so many things that you need to fix and they did that really comprehensively and you haven't seen that at all with USA um, even though they've had the opportunity to do it so who knows where they go next. Yeah, let's talk about the the things that that
3: Vlachianovsky tried to do with this game against Portugal. Because it's going to be a short segment. (laughs) Well, exactly. bringing, Bringing Lynn Williams in. And to be fair, she played well. She didn't score the chances that came her way, but she did. She was the brightest spark in that attacking line. Trinity Rodman dropped out. Rodman didn't see the light of day until very late in the game. Andy Sullivan... Who are you? I don't even know because I she she's just ghosting. She's just ghosting. The, we know the midfield is a massive issue. They've got no Sam Mewis. Julie Ertz is having to play in defence. And if you could push Ertz up, that would just instantly solve your problem, I think, to have a force in defence to carry the ball, to be a bit of a bruiser, to hustle, to hold on to things, to rescue things. And that, that gaping hole that's there is just, it's kind of this like volcano that's erupting and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's taking more people in with it um and i just don't see jesse usa being able to solve anything moving forward if they don't solve the central issue which is that midfield because they can't if they try and go wide they don't they're not playing with players who can play that way and they're not playing tight and then being able to deliver in, into the middle. It's it's just not working at all.
2: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that are weird here. I think the first thing that's weird with the midfield is like, it's not like they can't solve it in a way that say, if England had struggled today, you say they can't solve their midfield issue because their mid- best midfielder hurt her knee and they've got, not got anyone as good. The USA have the solution to their midfield issue. She's just behind them. It's like a pantomime. They just need to turn around. <laughs> She's, She's literally right Juliet there. Julie Ertz is behind you. <laughs> and I, that's what I don't get is I'm just like, okay, maybe... I don't understand. I don't understand why they can't play Cook and Germer together. I d- that just that just feels like a really obvious thing to do. And then just push Julie Ertz up. Mm. And I'm like, maybe you wanted to try it, but okay, it doesn't work. And it, it obviously hasn't worked. And then... It didn't work against the Netherlands. You, you would have just changed it for this game. But for some reason, he doesn't want to. But I do think separate from that, there is also an issue. And maybe it is linked a bit to the midfield and how he wants to progress the ball. But I also think it's wild that in terms of players like Rodman, Williams, Sophia Smith, you've got these players who you're like, they should just be smoking defences. Like you're you could have a goal, a bit like England did today, where you just say, Okay, we're not sure if our midfield's gonna work. So like fuck it, let's just bypass our midfield and get the speedy people to run past everyone else because our talent level should be higher than most of the teams we're we're playing against. And what's I think so frustrating from a US perspective is like They can't... They don't even really seem to do that. They just look like they don't know what they're doing. And that's what's so weird because it's not like... I know they have had injuries, but also like Adonofsky's been in charge of this team for a really long time. Like he's had a chance to have a game plan, you know. And when we're talking about someone like Wiegmann... And saying how she totally changed formation, but you can still see that she was trying. She had the same principles of play that she'd always had, even though she changed that formation. It's like Ananovsky. It's just like the opposite. It, you know, they can take players in and out, and like they can slightly shift formations, but they still there's still no core plan. And then the other concerning thing, obviously, is is that. Probably their best player so far, or at least the player who everyone was who was meant to fix the midfield who's not Juliet, was Rose Lavelle. And then she probably got a yellow card and is now not available for the round of sixteen game.
3: Yeah, it's it is looking exceptionally bleak for USA. And if anyone hasn't seen some of Carly Lloyd's comments, Check them out because she was damning, like, really seriously laying into them. There was a lot of um, criticism of the fact that she she said the man of the match was the post. And she said the, the US players shouldn't have been smiling and taking selfies. And, uh, you know, they've been focusing too much on off the field issues rather than uh, playing football, which... Um,
0: yeah. Anyway, we'll leave it there. There's nothing that makes <laughs> me root for the US Women's National Team more than Kylie Lloyd being annoying about them. <laughs> yeah, so I I'm do- going
2: all in on them now. That's why you're being so positive.
0: <laughs> yeah. I did see a funny tweet
3: with someone saying um, Carly Lloyd would have booked uh, would have blocked Carly Lloyd on Twitter <laughs> if she could see some of this stuff um, anyway we'll quickly touch on what happened in those other games yes the Netherlands absolutely demolished Vietnam 7-0 they went through top of the group USA and Netherlands opposition is still TBC because of those other games England go through they're going to play Nigeria Denmark go through They're going to play Australia, which is a big game for them. We're going to be on a little bit of a break tomorrow, which is Wednesday. We'll be back on Thursday. Becky is going to be in the air. She's going to be flying. She's setting free.
0: Bye. I'm, I'm she's gone. flying Guys. a flag all, <laughs> flag, over, all the world. over the world wow that was beautiful a goodbye <laughs> for a week I'll remember that a little bit of Eurovision
3: right there but yeah we'll be back on Thursday while Becky's flying to Australia we'll be coming out with reaction to those final round of group games so we'll see you then